This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We've got a great show planned for you. Uh, take a deep breath. Settle in. You know, it's let, let the show be a little bit of a, a distraction from... Uh, literally everything that's going on in our lives. Uh, we're going to start the show with some positive feel-good topics, although probably won't stay that way for too long. I'm always trying to show both sides of things. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about uh, the the things we should do for people we care about. Be with someone who does these things, essentially. Um, always trying to help people unlearn a lot of the things that have been normalized. I constantly have couples coming into my private practice, Um you know, most of my work focuses on relationships and sexuality and marriage. Um, and I, I think some people have gotten a little too familiar with some, you know, unkind, unhealthy dynamics and that doesn't allow us to be better or ask for better. And so again, it's always about looking at how we are interacting with others, right? What kind of partner we're being, but then also what kind of relationship are we in? We talk all the time about how, our mental health is impacted by the health of those that we spend time around. We are open systems, right? And so we very much internalize what those around us are, are saying about us, how they're seeing us, how they're making us feel. They're always giving us consciously and unconsciously messages about our worth, right? Our value as a person. And so it's really important that if we're feeling as though we have low self-esteem, it's not an inside job. It's very much an inside and outside job. And the outside part is making sure that we're around people that treat us kindly and setting boundaries when they don't, removing people that are unwilling to really truly care for us and be in commitment. True commitment is accountability and responsibility for positively impacting those around you. That's the deal. So if you're in a relationship with someone who's not loving and not caring, and you know, again, we're going to look at some of these different points, then they're not really in a committed relationship. Because to me, commitment is has more to it than just honoring structural right? Structural promises of, you know, being your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, or co-parenting, or being monogamous, or living together. There's a bigger level of commitment that has to be woven into that concept. And that's a commitment to care, right? That's why we get into relationships. We don't have to have them. We do better when we're in them, right? We know from the studies that people that experience events that could be traumatizing, that they are prevented from being traumatized, or the trauma is lessened when they have people that they, you know, that are around them that care for them. It's called basically a secure haven, a safe haven, a place that they can go, people they can turn to. And and when they're not physically present, as adults, we do this thing called symbolizing. It's kind of tied to, you know, this idea of object constancy, which means we know that just because we can't see someone or touch them, that they still exist. And as adults, when we're out in our busy lives, we symbolically hold them in our mind and in our heart, and we can sometimes soothe ourselves by thinking about them, right? More powerful than when we have access to them. Studies show that if you're encountering a very stressful, difficult situation, and you have someone who you're in a secure relationship with, then it will soothe you. Holding their hand also reduces your level of pain and anxiety. And that's why we often want people to go with us. We have to go uh, to deal with something difficult or coming home from something difficult, or we have to maybe go deal with some health issues or to the hospital. Having someone with us and holding our hand actually does decrease the pain, the trauma, and the anxiety. And so we're not trying to go it alone. We don't have to learn how to do things on our own because that's not healthy and that's not actually true. We can rely on others and we have to be able to, right? That's an important part of mental health. So again, always assessing the health of those around us. Think of the few people that you spend the most amount of time with 
how do you feel when you're with them? That's really the powerful indicator of the health of a relationship. How do you feel when you're with them? Also, what parts of you come out when you're with them, right? Because we know from interpersonal neurobiology, mirror neurons, theories of inner subjectivity, sociological theories of social contagion, we know that we are impacted by others. We do become infected with their thoughts and feelings, right? We do internalize what's happening. People do make us feel a certain way. And we want to take that very seriously. And that's why I say, if you're ever in a relationship with someone who's abusive physically or verbally, get out immediately, truly. Put a pause on that relationship to maybe do some work. But if that's not healable or resolvable, you got to go. This is, we're talking about our physical health, our, our nervous and brain system health, our psychological health, but also Make sure you are not the verbally abusive or physically abusive individual. And we even, talking about abuse, have to talk about things like implied violence, which means you might not be hitting the person, but you're throwing things around them, hitting things around them. That's still violence. That is implied violence. It's still a, a culture of abuse that you're bringing in or normalizing, right? So we're always looking at ourselves and other. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the things, you know, it's a very soft conversation, but be with someone who does these things. We always have to be providing a metric or, or a model as to what we're looking for or what we're trying to be a part of. And also, more importantly, who we are trying to be. I, my heart is warmed when I post posts on my social media at Dr. Donahue on my IG or my Twitter at Chris Donahue. And people go into the DMs and they're like, wow, I just really confronted myself. You posted something that made me really look at myself differently. That's the work. Not necessarily, oh, I looked at my partner differently. Okay, that's, a, that's important. But how are you seeing yourself? What work are you doing on yourself? Right? Like that's the vital piece. So when we come back, we're going to break some of these down. It's a soft topic. I think I uh, front-loaded it with a little more intensity. Um, so anyway, stick around and join us. And then, of course, we'll be uh, sliding in those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we're back and we're talking about relationships. Everything's relational. Every song, every movie, every book, every conversation, every mental health issue has a relational component. And, you know, I'm a big relationalist. I definitely do things through an attachment-based lens, which is this idea rooted in decades and decades of empirically validated research, uh, many, many large population samples, longitudinal studies. Also, some of this work is powerfully coming out of a hospital that I'm associated with, Kaiser, and they did a gigantic study on what they call ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and this is something that longitudinally has been done for decades. Um, and they're just looking at all the different outcomes of the impacts that, you know, different things have on us. But, you know, and, and they're looking at physical health mainly, which is really powerful to really look at how our social lives, our relational lives, our mental health impacts our physical health. So much so that we have the stats and the numbers looking at how many adverse childhood experiences, things that could be traumatic, how if you have one of them or two of them or three of them, how many, how much higher of a chance you have at having a problematic or addictive relationship to drugs or alcohol, right? Um, diabetes, uh, um, high blood pressure and heart health issues, 
powerfully tied. And that's why I'm always reminding us, like we have to be very thoughtful about the people we spend time around. Our brains are open systems and they wire and they're impacted by others, right? And that's why also when we're talking about people that are engaging in really problematic bad behavior, sometimes it's because of the people they're spending time around that has been normalized in their social circle. You know, I have friends that, um, horrible rough example, but they have, they're in relationships with people who've been lying, dishonest, betraying them and engaging in, you know, extracurricular relationships and sex, right? Infidelity. And instead of bringing it forward and talking about it or struggling with themselves around what is this a symptom of, right? What am I trying to solve by cheating uh, and not recognizing that they're hurting their primary partner? Uh, some of the issues because they're also spending time around people where that's what they do as well. So it's normal. It's acceptable, right? And so that's like a really lazy example as to how things get normalized. We start talking like our friends and people we spend time around dressing like them. But more importantly, we think like them. Our value system, our ethics is deeply tied and impacted by that. Our ethics and value systems don't come from nowhere. They come from the people we spend time around, culture and, and socialization, uh, things maybe we're reading, aka all the things that we're bathing our brain in. Right, So we really want to pay attention to that. That's why a lot of my work as a sex and relationship therapist, because that's how I identify myself, you know, a sexologist, a sex and relationship therapist. I did a doctoral program in clinical psychology, but then went on to do my continued doctoral work in human sexuality relationships and sexology. And then got certified as a sex therapist because I believed that deeply in these theories of relationality. And that was the only way to really get that specific training because psychology, sadly, doesn't really train you in a relational model or even in how to do couples matter relational work. And yet every part of our lives is about that. It's tied to that. Psychology very much traditionally individualizes everything. You learn how to find problems in the person in front of you's psyche and diagnose them, but not taking into account the wider world that they're a part of and how the relationships and all these other social systemic factors also impact their mental health. In fact, also looking at information, a study from the CDC, it's a very powerful, robust study, um, it was looking at how 70% of our health is actually social determinants, access to healthcare, right? Getting our needs met, employment, racism, all these non-individual issues impact about 70% of our health, where 30% or less are individual factors, things that we do have control over, things that we can manage, which means it's not always about what we're doing with and to and for ourselves. It's also about the world we're participating in. How do we work on changing that and improving that, right? And that's about us being better relational individuals to all those around us and to those that we're deeply connected to. Why? Because we have this thing called the attachment system. And just like a child with a parent throughout the entire lifespan as adults, we need to attach to primary caregivers. We, that is something we need. As adults, we never outgrow the need to be supported and cared for by others. And something magical happens when romance is brought in and that attachment system gets kicked, on, kicked in. And that's when the struggles happen, right? People do really well. Um, or they do better often outside of romantic relationships than they get into one. And it's not that they don't thrive because of them, but difficulties emerge, right? That's when a lot of our stuff gets brought up and out. And that's what brings a lot of people to their knees is their romantic relationships. And so we really want to be aware of how fragile it should be. And people don't take it seriously enough. I think they get into these quote unquote committed relationships, not really understanding what true commitment is, what true relationship is, and they don't really take responsibility or accountability for what they're forming and how they're gonna impact this other. I wish people did <clears throat> pre-relational counseling, premarital counseling, but bigger than that, I think we all need better relational skills. And that's kind of why I dedicated my work to these topics, because we are just relational at our core, right? Okay, so what is the most important element and you'll hear me use a lot of these repetitive concepts because I really want people to get it in their minds. I use different entry points, different examples, even different terminologies, but the core concepts are always the same. And first thing is we have to be with people that we feel like we can trust. Trust is the basis of a human relationship. It's also the basis of non-human relationships, to be honest, you know, with pets, but trust. And if you don't have that, then you don't have a true relationship in the psychological definition. You might socially have one because you've used the label boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but psychologically speaking, neurobiologically speaking, you don't have one because what's required to have a true relationship, true commitment is that we can wire together and I trust you and I can count on you. And it's those key words I use all the time, reliable, consistent, available, and responsive. And a lot of the issues that come into our romantic relationships and other relationships with parents, friends, coworkers, colleagues, whatever it is, 
is not feeling as though they're consistent, they're reliable, but this key word is that they're responsive, that when we turn to them, they're truly and fully there. And as parents, that's why I say things to parents like, really listen, don't, don't be dismissive, don't be distracted, put your phone down, your child's trying to make a bid for your attention, which is what a lot of quote unquote bad child behavior is, is they're trying to just make a bid for our attention. And we just need to look at them and attune to them and say, you know, I'm here, I hear you, I'm with you, right? And adults need that as well. And we need that in uh, any primary attachment figure. It could be friends, a family member, but it really is definitely a part of that true commitment and relationship piece that comes out of our adult primary relationships. So we're gonna come back and keep talking about these main factors. Stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about relationships, also kind of folding in some attachment theory for those that are on my social media and my IG stories at Dr. Donahue. I've been posting a lot. I also learned a new little tip and trick that y'all probably been doing forever, but I am late to the game because I'm not technologically minded or really technologically curious or interested actually. Uh, you know, it's just not my thing. Uh, but I've been highlighting them. Someone's like, you need to highlight these uh, IG stories. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? Then I went to my, my intern, uh, Justin, and uh, I said, yo, <laughs> how do you do that? Now they're all highlighted, not everything, but a lot of them. And there's a lot of slides in there, but it's good stuff because it's an education we all need. Because again, what's our topic? Well, we're talking about the fact that <clears throat> we relationship is everything. And when we get into what we call an attached relationship, which is the goal of an, a romantic relationship, but we can have these with a best friend or a family member that we're close to. But what determines its existence, which is what I call a true committed relationship, true relationship and truly committed is these core pieces. And if these exist, then this person's probably an attachment figure. And if they don't, then they're not. And ideally, we need to have them in our lives, especially if it's gonna be our primary romantic partner. And again, the key words are, is this person consistent? Are they reliable, right? That's trust. Are they available? Are they able to be present? And it doesn't even mean physically. Presence can happen a lot of different ways. And then finally, what people struggle with the most is, are they responsive? It's what happens in early dating. People are like, they're not texting me back, or I text them and it took hours. Or, you know, I text my partner, I don't hear back, or I try to talk to them, they're busy doing other things. It's like this, it's really this core primal question that we need to ask at every stage of our lives. Are you there for me? Because we do need to have people be there for us. Please know the work of adulthood is not to stand on your own as this bound, isolated unit. No, we grow and change through relationships. We're always moving into them. So the work of adulthood is to be a better relational person, partner. It's not to learn how to be divorced from that. That is what actually leads to mental health and is a symptom of a lot of mental health issues is you know distance, separation. Those are red flags. Now, people are allowed to be less social, lower social, asocial, um, that exists. That's acceptable. You know, I don't use the complete metric of, you know, how social are you? But what I do decide is for those that want to be and can't be, ah, there's the issue. For those that don't want to be, well, then they don't need to be. And there is no struggle. But a lot of us are struggling because we're we want a lot more closeness, connection, relationality, but we're scared and anxious, right? We don't trust it. It's overwhelming to us. So that's the, that's the, where the issue comes in because you can't, you don't have the skills for, the tolerance for, or the opposite. You're in them, but you're always anxious, right? You're always a fearing abandonment or assuming abandonment. That's where the work is as well. That's someone who's anxiously attached. They always expect abandonment. Absence feels abandoning right? They're always wondering if they're still there. They're always worrying about this partner. That's what the world of love addiction, and that's not a real thing. What it really is, is an anxiously attached person. It's an attachment issue. They need psychotherapy and trauma work, but there's 12-step programs called love addiction, and that's what they call that. That person's love addicted. No, they're the, they have a, they had early childhood relational trauma. Even if it's not something they, they saw happening, it happened, and that's why they don't trust relationships, right? So they need psychotherapy, and so do the people that are avoidant, wanting it but can't tolerate it, right? Or overwhelmed, or they're chronically single because they're, they're, they're never able to really stay in commitment, but yet they want it. That's all these people that are dealing with attachment injuries. About 60, 50 to 60% of people have what we call secure attachment, which means they form relationships. Relationships don't stress them out or overwhelm them. They're very trusting. Uh, they don't, they, you know, if they don't hear from someone for a while, they don't assume they've been abandoned. They feel confident. But those people tend to only date those people and be friends with those people because the minute they see someone who's 
struggling with a little bit of avoidance or is anxiously attached, which means, you know, always clingy and demanding a lot and never feeling, um, they're, they're always jealous. They're always threatened. Secure people are like, that doesn't work for me. I don't think we're compatible and they move on. And so they're often already in relationships. The first couple ones they got into that felt good, they stayed and worked through. So most of the single people, unfortunately, are avoidant or anxious. And that's because of their avoidant and anxious attachment styles. That's kept them out of relationship because they burn people out or they burn themselves out or they want it, but they don't know how to be committed. And so it's this intimacy phobia. And there's a lot of the clients that I wind up working with. You know, they're the ones with chronic relational issues. Securely attached people don't have ongoing, consistent relational issues. They manage them well and they have healthy people relationally in their lives. But if you have chronic relational issues where you're always getting in a fight with your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or your friends, you have some attachment work to do. And that's a great thing to get into psychotherapy or to at least to learn a little bit about how to be better. And that work is trying to find in a partner someone who is secure to help heal your stuff. So you're looking for someone who, as I said, is reliable, consistent, available, responsive. If the person you're with or dating isn't doing that, see if they can ask for that. And if they won't or can't move on, don't get sad. Don't get mad. Don't battle it. Don't fight. Don't blame. Don't attack. They either can't or won't move on because you need to find someone who can provide that for you to finally be able to trust and let go. Right, but you have work to do as well. You have to not perceive every absence as abandonment. You ha- you can't demand more than maybe they're able or willing to give. And avoidant people have to learn how to lean more, stick around, lean in more, stick around longer, not try to find perfect. These are all different ways that we keep ourselves trapped and single. Um, we got to take a break, and we're going to come back and slide into those DMs, and then uh, we're going to keep talking about relational health, y'all. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are always brought to you by our uh, Loveline IG page. So if you got a question or a topic, drop it in there. We got answers for you. Oh, let's see what you got. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Vivian, and my best friend from high school asked me to be her maid of honor. That's sweet. I've tried to set boundaries with her, but she keeps pushing the lines. God, I would love to know what those boundaries are. Uh, I know it's her big day, and this is a huge responsibility, but I need my space. (laughs) I almost feel like this is going to ruin our friendship. How can I respectfully tell her that we need to take a break before it ruins her day? So I don't know exactly what that means, take a break (laughs) or space. Um, So... Uh, I'm going to kind of make it a larger discussion because, yeah, I don't know what that means, taking a break or taking space so that doesn't ruin her day. I'm going to assume that um, she is excited about her wedding and most of us are socialized to believe that it is the most important thing when it's one of many important things in our lives. And I think people lose the they lose connection to the purpose of weddings, just like birthdays and other events. It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be this thing that you do that makes you miserable. You don't have to do it, but you choose to do it. You choose to do it because it's supposed to be fun and a celebration. Focus on that. Am I having fun? Are other people having fun in relationship to this? Is my bridesmaid feeling good and happy about being a part of this? Or am I being a power hungry, nasty person? Because I don't care what it is. It doesn't give you the right to put it before other people and the relationships you have with them. If you're willing to burn down a friendship because you're being obnoxious or controlling over your wedding, you're not being a good person. That friend still deserves respect. I don't care if it's your wedding. It's still a person and their needs are still important. We don't give up our humanity or our needs because it's your birthday, your wedding, or your recital, right? We have to have a relational model. So I want us to, to do a little self a little introspection. Are we making people's lives harder? Are we losing sight of what these events are supposed to be fun and celebration? We need to let go and lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's but a bleep in the screen. It's a moment in time. And it's okay to lovingly ask her bridesmaid reminder that, hey, this isn't feeling fun anymore. This isn't feeling good. Like, let's get back to fun. But bridesmaid who wrote the question, you're allowed to have boundaries. You're allowed to say, listen, I, I have a lot of other things on my plate. I'm happy to be a part of this, but I can't get a daily email or I can't get emails every five seconds. My life is still in motion. My life is still my priority. I know your wedding's your priority. And I, and I empathize with that because I'm your friend, but your priority isn't mine. My life still has to come first. So chill. 
And I know you can't say that like that. So you have to be loving and say, hey, listen, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so complimented that you asked me to be bridesmaid. And I want to do that. Let's make sure this is still fun. And use words like, this isn't feeling good right now. And you can say things like, I have other things I have to focus on. Maybe every weekend, send me a weekend email with all the things you were thinking or needing. But just because it's your wedding doesn't mean you have a right to interrupt other people's days all day long with what your needs and concerns are. It doesn't. It's a wedding. It's a party. Chill. Seriously. Reconnect with the fact that it's supposed to be fun and celebratory. We're not supposed to make people's lives miserable and ruin friendships over it. It's a party chill. And I want people to advocate for that with whatever we're talking about, even with your job. Hey, I have a life as well. Other things like boundaries. Everyone needs to learn boundaries. Just because we have text message and emails doesn't mean people should be readily available. Remember, all we have was a landline. Some of you might not remember that. All we used to have was a landline and people would apologize for reaching out to you after dinner time because they knew that that was your time with your family. Now we will send texts and have requests at all hours of the day. That's not okay with, for anyone. And in the, bad, in the old days when we had a landline, if someone was actively on it, you couldn't even get through. People would take the phone off the hook at dinner time to not be disturbed and sometimes leave it off for the rest of the night. And life moved on fine somehow. You know what I mean? So set boundaries, reflect back to her what it's like to be dealt with right now and remind her, what, what should be centered and prioritized? You know, there's a lot of work for all of us around that. So thank you for that question. As I said, the DMs come in on our Loveline IG page. Got a question, got a topic, drop them in there. Past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, we're gonna keep talking about reparenting, how to grow ourselves up, how to be better, because that's the work. What do I need to do, right? It's not other people, we're looking at ourselves. And that question was a good example. Look at what role you're playing in other people's lives. Are you harming them? Are you making their life harder to be better? All right, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about relational health. We're talking about attachment systems. We're talking about what our work is to be a better partner and to be also better able to receive uh, better from a partner. Because there's always work on both sides. People that are anxiously attached and always fearing abandonment and afraid of being left and always threatened and jealous and clinging and all that. Your work is to settle down, right? Your work is to trust more. Your work is to allow more time and space. The closeness you think you need isn't the right or better thing. It's, it's what you need to, to feel safe, but that doesn't mean that it's an acceptable request or level of attention that you demand. You are looking for someone who's available and responsive, but they can only be so available and so responsive, and you have to learn how to let that be enough, right? And so your work is on settling down a little bit, finding people that can provide what you want, because we were leading, we were opening the show by saying, like, trust is the number one part of being in a relationship, and if you don't have that with someone, you're not really in a true relationship or a truly committed relationship. That's the basis. That's why we get into it. The trust is, are you there for me? Period. Trust is, do you care for me? Are you there for me? And if they're not and they don't, well then it's time to go. I think too many people stay in relationships that aren't working. It shouldn't be that hard. Relationships take work, but not that much work. Relationships should not be constant turmoil. If you're in a relationship with someone of any kind, romantic, social, whatever it is, and you can't go a few weeks without getting into a fight, either you are not compatible or one of you or both of you are not healthy enough to be a partner to someone or you're just not with the right person. But it shouldn't. I mean, and some people are like, wow, I should be able to go a few weeks without a fight. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, if you are every day or, or multiple times a week, you are not compatible. Or like I said, one of you is just unwilling to do your work as a healthy human being. It is not supposed to be that difficult and that ongoing and that chronic. Move on or take a break and work on yourself. Do some healing. That's part of when I opened the show and I said we have to stop normalizing some of these really problematic ideas around relationships is that they should exhaust us and be constant turmoil and always have us unhappy. No, bad sign. But you have to ask yourself, is it me doing that or is it them doing that? Is it my work or their work? But yeah, conflict is healthy, but conflict isn't fighting. Conflict is we disagree and we lovingly talk it out and we figure it out or we keep coming back to it. Conflict is allowed. We're gonna have different ideas and different opinions, but if you're constantly fighting, then you both are elevating it 
and, and you're not being caring and you're not being loving and you're not being a true partner, which would mean you're cooperative and you're soft and you're kind and you're not attacking your name calling. You're looking out for both people's benefits. But if you move through your relationship thinking we're enemies, I have to win, I have to be right, I have to put myself first, that is not relational health or mental health. You know, re reorient and fix that, which is why, you know, I bring these topics up and on the show. Um, I mean, we'll keep, we'll keep talking about that, but trust is, is the, is the bare bones. Then we move on to the next piece, which is <clears throat> be with someone who you feel like you can bring your authentic self to. That is such a good sign of being in a healthy attached relationship where we've accepted each other because acceptance is the second most important part of trust and is part of trust, which is I, I know who you are and I accept you. We can't enter relationships trying to change a person, thinking we're gonna invest in them and, and we wanna be with who we think they'll be, or constantly complaining about who they are. Then you are not ready to be someone's partner or they're the not, not the right partner for you. We have to go into acceptance. This is who they are. This is what they do. Yes, we are allowed at every stage of the relationship to reflect back to them what it's like to be with them and to make requests, but we're not changing them. We can make requests. Hey, can we, can we travel more? Hey, can we be a little kinder and softer when we get into conflict? Those are not attempts to change someone. But if you're trying to change them saying, I, I don't like the job they have, or I want them to dress differently, or I wish they had a different personality, then you're not healthy enough to be brought into someone's life because you're always centering things around what you want and what you need. And they're good as they are. They don't need to change. And they need to be with someone who thinks that they're good. Because as we said, our self-esteem is relational. It's reflected back to us. And we should only be around people that reflect back that we are of a worth and value and we're good people. Now, as a partner or friend, do you call someone out on their bad behavior? Of course. Lovingly, hey, that wasn't cool. Can we talk about why you did that? Can you have disagreements? Of course. Like I said, kind, appropriate conflict, yes. Can you say to someone, there's some elements I wish we could work on or change, maybe how we are around the home or how, yes, but we're not trying to quote unquote, change the person. We're asking for shifts within the context of who they are, because we've accepted who they are, that maybe they're high energy or a little low energy, or they use humor as a tactic, or you know they get up earlier, they socialize more. We're not trying to change those things, but you could say things like, could we sometimes sleep in? Could we sometimes go out together? Could we sometimes stay home? That's still within the realm of accepting someone, right? But that's that powerful work is saying to someone, I know who you are and I accept you, right? And that's why we date before we get into a relationship to make sure that this is the kind of person we wanna be with and that we can be with. I can't be with someone who parties and drinks and stay out and stays out late. That doesn't align with my life. The kind of work I do, I go to bed early. I love getting up early. I like to do daytime things. I do not drink alcohol. I don't like loud, dark spaces. So I wouldn't try to be with someone who loves that stuff, who loves being out late, clubs and bars, drinking and parties, because I can't accept that and I don't want to. That would be disruptive for me, right? So I find someone who has the more compatibility and then we work on what we co-create. We gotta take a break. We'll come back though and we'll keep breaking all this down. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All righty, we are back. And uh, you know what started as a simple topic of uh, be with someone who does these things or be the kind of person that does these relational things. We kind of got into a talk on attachment theory, which really important stuff. Um, so much relational and social science has so much meat to it. it it would take decades to kind of get through all of it but it teaches us a lot of powerful lessons we were talking earlier about trust right and what that actually means so i was using words like true trust like true actual commitment right because commitment isn't just that structural thing and this is a really important lesson to understand is commitment is not just something you vocalize right it's uh, it is not something that is structurally set up and then all is well, right? It is not commitment, marriage. Those are ways of performing it. Those are ways of demonstrating it. Those are social rituals around it. But those are not the emotional pieces of it. And that's what's most important. People feel safe or don't feel safe. People trust or don't trust based on the emotional quality. What, what happens emotionally within the monogamy or the marriage or the home ownership, right? That's the true commitment. And that's why people can't feel safe or good, right? If the emotional pieces aren't there, they don't say, oh, well, we're married, so it's actually fine. Or we're living together, or we're monogamous, or they're my boyfriend or girlfriend, so all's fine. 
it still isn't. That's not enough because that's that structural. But how, what's the emotional quality? And that's always, again, the consistency, the reliability, but most importantly, the responsiveness. And so we kind of left off before the break talking about authenticity and how that's such an important metric and barometer for yourself and this, you know, all the relationships you're in. If you aren't able to be your total and full authentic selves, something's wrong. And is it that you have to work on pushing through your own shame or anxiety around being a more honest, vulnerable self? Or is it because these relationships that you're a part of don't value who you are or don't create space for that honesty and that truth? And so just pause and check in on that. Are there relationships in your life? primary or secondary, where you don't feel as though you can be your total and full self. And I want us to all assess ourselves and say, are there others that we are in different relationships with that we might not allow them to feel safe or comfortable being their total, full, authentic selves? Because if we're not able to do that, or we're not able to let others be able to do that, then you don't have a true relationship because then there isn't trust. There isn't actual commitment, right? What do you have then? It's, you're, it's performative. We're performing friendship. We're going through the motions. We spend time together. We text. We hang out. But again, mental health is rooted in the quality, the emotional quality, the emotional safety. And that's what couples come into my office doing couples and marital therapy, struggling around. They're married, but that's not enough. And it's not supposed to be enough. And it shouldn't be enough. It's what's happening within that marriage that matters most. How are they towards each other? Because true commitment, they are kind. They are cooperative. They are compassionate. Everything's done in mutual benefit. You know, I, 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 the person would, speaking would say, when I make decisions, I consider the impact it has on my partner and the relationship because that is what true commitment's about. We're in this together, and I consider the impact that my lifestyle choices and whatnot have on you. We are actually, turns out, in the same boat, and we both have an oar. And what we each does impacts where that boat goes. And that boat is our relationship and we're both in it. And I can't just worry about myself because you're sitting right next to me in this boat. And what I do in this boat impacts you as well. The decisions I make really impact your safety. So it's not enough to be in the boat. It's what's happening within that boat. Does each person feel safe to be themselves, to ask for their needs? Trust. If I take a nap or fall asleep, will you get us safely somewhere in our shared boat? Right? I have to stop saying right so much. <laughs> I'm working on that. And of course, tonight, I keep saying it every two seconds. But that's, that's the framework of the metaphor, is that we're sitting in this together. And each person's move, maneuver, or how they're showing up in this boat impacts each other. We're humans. We're open systems, right? We are impacted by that. So what else do we have to think about? I think that authentic one is really powerful though, because again, it's a barometer, it's a metric. Like, why am I not able to show up as myself? Is it me or is it the other? Is it the system, right? And then we're kind of talking about, we ended off in this authenticity conversation about, look to be with people that you can be your, your weird self with. And I like the use of that word. Because when we say authentic, sometimes we think more about our strengths and what's more acceptable about ourselves. But when we talk about our weirdness, our idiosyncratic nature and our, you know, um, What's another word for it? Um, I guess the parts that really define us and we're most defined when we stand out from others. That's how we're most defined. When we're doing what everyone else is doing and we look like everyone else, there's not a lot of self-definition. And I think what's really important is when we can be that separate self and wear what we wear and talk the way we talk. And we wanna be with people that honor and value that, not people that shame that and want us to just perform like a good wife or perform like a man. And that's why... We're being very abusive when we say something like, be a man, because you're saying what you're doing then isn't, and I need you to be, and I want you to perform something and not really be your true, honest self. Well, that's abusive. That's not a healthy, good relationship to be a part, even if it's a parent or even a, or even a boss that's saying, like, you need to be other than you are. That's already the creation of a really mentally unhealthy dynamic. We need to be in spaces and places where we can be our total, full, authentic selves, Right? And uh, in a lot of relationships we're a part of, we're not able to always do that. And that's going to create a lot of mental health issues. Your mental health doesn't care what's expected of you when you're trying to perform what we call respectability politics. The idea that we have to live or act a certain way to be of worth or value. You know, the world is more diversified and, and stranger than that. And that's where a lot of this kind of comes into play. Uh, being with someone who likes you even when they don't like you. Or I guess a better way to say it is someone who loves you even when they don't like you. Ooh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and break that one down because that's powerful. That, that again, eclipses and maybe even incorporates in all the other points about trust and authenticity that even if 
you're in a relationship with this person and something happens where they're like, mm, I'm not liking you right now. That love is still, that love is still there, right? That love is still the strong container that's present. We'll come back and talk more about it. And then we will slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. So head on over there, look for the show, click on it, and bam, binge, post, share, re-listen. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, before the break, talking about being with someone who loves you and likes you even when they don't in that moment like you. That's trust. Think about that. We have to be able to hold the good and the bad. In, in psychology, it's called making someone a whole object versus a part object. Being a part object means we either like you or we don't. And it's always one or the other. And we like you, like you, like you, and then you say something and all of a sudden, we hate you. You're all bad. The person who we liked seconds before is completely gone. They vanish. And now we just hate you. You're all bad. There's nothing good about you. That's not honest. It's also not healthy. People are always both. Now, we're not talking about abuse when I say that. We're not talking about injustices. We're talking about something smaller, annoyances, frustrations. We have to hold both, that I love you while also disliking you at times. It's okay to acknowledge that. In fact, we have to learn how to acknowledge it. We have to talk more about that because I think some people don't realize that that's even an option and that that's what the work looks like. You know, your child's gonna let you down. Your partner's gonna let you down. Your friend's gonna let you down. We have to have space for that as long as they come back and apologize and take you know, accountability and responsibility. But the general statement is we have to allow for that. People are going to let you down. They're gonna bum you out and frustrate you. We can't then say, ah, well, you're out. That's how people stay by themselves for their entire life. They find the smallest infractions that on paper might sound reasonable and they kick everyone out of their lives. I see it romantically. I see it with way too much also online when people are trying to get out there and date and they're just like, why am I not meeting anyone? Well, because the minute they disappoint you or frustrate you, frustrate you on those apps or over texting, you kick them out. We have to learn how to stick around through that. People are more than that. We're, we, we, we have to be able to be let down, disappointed, and frustrated and say, and I still care about you and find you interesting because I did seconds before or whatever you said you said, and we have to ride out into that. We can't just keep booting people out. And I see that happening all the time. Oh, in, the, in a session the week later, well, how did it go with that person you talked to last week? Oh, we're not talking anymore. Why? Well, they, uh, and then they tell me something and I'm like, that is... Not a deal breaker, actually. They didn't say or do anything that literally falls under an immediate deal breaker. They let you down or they disappointed you. Grow up and, and, and allow that. Oh my God, people are going to do that. What world have you built where that hasn't had to happen? You know, um, Maybe they showed some red flags, but red flags aren't deal breakers. Red flags are things that we have to get more information about. We have to learn more about them. It's a frustration or a disappointment. We hang in there through red flags, but we keep an eye on them. Deal breakers are things where it's like abuse, verbal, physical. Uh, it could be things where they, have, they lack ethics, right? They're racist, homophobic unchecked, undealt with mental health or alcohol issues, I get it, That's they can be deal breakers. But short of that, if it's just something that disappoints you or bums you out or in incompatibility, it's a red flag at best. It's okay for incompatibilities to show up, but people get on those dating apps wanting the perfect person, always compatible. We both have to like horror movies. We both have to like the outdoors. No, you don't, because those are only small parts of your life. Dear God in heaven, everyone in your life doesn't like all those things, but you still keep your mom around and your brother around and your best friend around, but they hate horror movies and they don't like hiking. You know what I mean? But we somehow magically think that our romantic other has to be everything. But some of that's part of toxic monogamy where we really think our partner has to provide everything. They don't. That's why we have others in our life. That's a very extreme ex expectation. Healthier, more secure people realize, cool, then we won't watch horror movies together. But thank God I got other friends I can do that with. You know what I mean? Um, we can go hiking with other people because I promise you there will probably be things that you do have in common, but you haven't gotten there yet because you're just on an app or you're just texting. You know, But anyone that has long-term relationships will tell you, yeah, they frustrate and disappoint me all the time. We roll with that. We let that go. You know, we know better. They don't have the deal breakers in their life because that's reasonable to boot someone out for that. But they don't bounce over these small letdowns and frustrations. So we really do have to learn the difference. Um, so again, be with people that allow you humanity, which means you frustrate them and disappoint them. They tell you and you work through and you move on and be that kind of person. 
Don't hold grudges. Grow up. Let it go. People are going to let you down and frustrate you, but they're more than that. Let it go. Reconnect. Move on. As we say, be open for the repair. The only safe relationships to have are with people who are open to repair, letting you repair, and they and they come to you for repair. And I've said this before. In adult relationships, we don't do fair as fair. If your friend struggles to be better and to circle back after they've let you down or, or whatever it is, you can reach out to them saying, hey, can we talk? I miss you. Like adults always seek to keep their relationships going and they don't play the game fair is fair and whose responsibility is it? They don't. They create the kind of relationship and world they want to be a part of. Sometimes people aren't going to be as far along as we are as confident in those conversations. Start it. Have it. Don't just sit waiting. Adults don't say that. That's for them to do. We don't see it that way. Um, and then finally, like we talked about this. The most important thing psychologically for a relationship is responsiveness. It doesn't mean they're immediately available, but when they are, they are. When they're available, they're responsive. And they do their best. So essentially, it's being with someone who gives you their undivided attention. You know, They're not distracted. They're fully present. They're fully available. They're all in. We need that. It's called mirroring. We need that through our entire lives to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel held, right? Those are qualities we never outgrow. So we don't want to shame those, right? All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to slide into those DMs. So as always, if you've got a question for us or a topic you want us to cover, drop deeper into, let us know in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And uh, past episodes of Loveline are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it, and there they are. You can binge, post, reshare, re-listen. Stick around, though. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We will be right back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide back into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one, a little bit long, so hang in there with me. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Eric. I've been an open gay man since I was 12, so about 13 years. The guy I'm talking to right now is also 25, but he's not fully out yet. Yep, a lot of people aren't. Not everyone's living in a safe conditions where they can openly be gay. Not everyone's maybe resolved and done that work. We live in a homophobic culture. So it takes a lot of courage still to come out as gay, knowing that some people will make assumptions about you. You know what I mean? It's not safe for everyone and it's not right for everyone to be open depending on their situation. You know, we have to honor that. Um, Basically, though, your question said he's told me that his parents know he's gay, but he's never brought anyone home for them to meet. Okay. He said that only a few of his friends know. And the ones that uh, don't try to set them up with girls all the time. Yep, that's what friends do. It's actually what good friends do. So I kind of applaud them. They're like, hey, we want to hook them up. Uh, He said he goes out on these dates because he doesn't want to make his friends feel bad about it. Okay, that's a little strange. Your friends are going to be that let down about you saying I'm not interested in the people you're trying to set me up with. It's definitely some work in that. Uh, You say, I'm not pushing him to come out before he needs to. Good. But in order for us to continue to date... I do think his friends need to respect him and not set up him with female dates. Okay, that's what you think. I'm not sure what he thinks and I'm not sure what he needs, you know, but I appreciate that you're saying that's what you need to feel comfortable. Um, maybe you need to be uncomfortable right now. That's what you need. But what about what he needs? Because this is actually about him. You don't like the idea that that's happening. Cool. Calm down, regulate. You know what I mean? You entered his life. This is what his life looks like right now. We can't enter someone's life and try to make all these demands and decisions so that we're comfortable. That's not how it works. You need to accept him as he is. This is where he's at. And if you can't be where he's at and on his journey, then you're not a safe partner to be with. I don't know that you can just make that demand. What if his friends are homophobic? What if he has longstanding relationships with them and he has to figure out and grieve the loss of maybe losing them? I don't know what kind of role models he has that are gay. I don't know how his family's responded. Just because you've been out since you were 12 or 13, which means 13 years of doing that work and enhancing that confidence, he hasn't. And so you can't expect him to be in a few months or a few years where you, what took you 13. So you need a little more compassion because it isn't harming you directly at all, actually. 
when he's with you, he's with you. And when he's not, it doesn't matter. I, I appreciate the idea that you're like, yeah, but he's on a date with someone else. Okay, it's a girl. Nothing's going to happen. But bigger than that, like, worry about his mental health. He's not ready, obviously. You know what I mean? And some people, it's a journey of years. Some people, it takes years for them to come out to everyone because we go at our pace, right? We go at our pace, not the pace, not your pace. That's rooted in your inability to tolerate your discomfort. Like, you have to toughen up around that. Um, you did say, uh, I do think his friends need to respect him. Great. Okay. I don't think they're disrespecting him though. They're operating off of the information they have. There's nothing disrespectful in that. Um, and not some of the female dates. Okay. Again, not disrespect, but I do think he should maybe say to them, I'm not interested because I, what I care most about is these poor women. What the issue really is, is are these poor women going on a date with someone that they think maybe is available and they're being vulnerable and they're taking their time and energy and that's not what's available. And so that's where I feel the worst. That's the people who are being harmed. These poor women that are getting already showing up and excited about a date and being misled and lied to. That's the core issue because no one else is harmed in this, right? If he's got the time, but I do think he should maybe back off of that out of care for these women. Uh, and you said he needs to draw that line as well. Is that me still asking too much? Yeah. I don't understand what your stake is in that. Again, I appreciate the idea that no one wants to think of their partner on a date with someone, but he's gay, so it doesn't matter. So how does it harm you? It doesn't. You're just uncomfortable. You want him to be further along than he is. You want him to be where you are. He's not. But I appreciate you saying, this is hard for me. This is uncomfortable for me. Can we talk about that? Can we consider that? I appreciate you saying, you know, those women don't deserve to be dragged around through this. This is your stuff. And I do appreciate you saying like, hey, do you have a sense of what your plans are about coming out to them, if at all? Because if he says, I'm never coming out to them, that's his right. And you have to figure out what you want to do around that. So there's a lot of work in there for you, I think. Um, thanks for that question though. I appreciate it. Great vulnerability. All right, y'all, that is our show. DMs, drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page. We are channelq.com is where all the shows live. So I spend the rest of your night focused on self-care, right? Tons of joy and pleasure. Rest as much as possible. Be kind to yourself and those around you. Look, life is tough right now. We don't want to make people's lives harder by us being in them as per that example. You know what I mean? All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 